Hi, it's Dwyer, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. It is July 11th, 2023. Let's talk about Anthony Joshua. Let's talk about his next opponent, Dillian White. But first, remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, this fight, quite frankly, has it all. This is a fight I'm personally looking forward to. The betting makes itself. I'm expecting a competitive fight. You are absolutely kidding yourself. And I mean kidding yourself. If you believe the current line remotely, resembles the actual odds of either fighter winning. Put differently, I consider boxing lines above plus 150 as extremely suspect in competitive fights, right? One fighter would have to have some underlying medical condition. There would have to be some rumor that one fighter was out late at night partying, got a DUI during training camp, which actually happened, believe it or not, uh, to a well-known fighter, right? You would have to believe that one fighter is not taking the fight seriously to go above a plus 150 in a competitive fight. Understand, this fight is a rematch. My read on the first fight was that Dillian White was just getting in rhythm. It looked to me like his jab was finding the mark. Understand, White is a master in the pocket. Excellent body puncher, excellent left hook. He's excellent changing rhythm in the pocket. I thought he was just getting started, and then, according to him, his shoulder started bothering him. It affected everything he was doing. He ends up getting caught. I believe it. Look at the film. You judge for yourself. Understand, too, Dillian White got knocked out by Alexander Povetkin, who both of these guys fought in the past, right? Povetkin had his moments against both. Dillian White got knocked out by Povetkin. They get in the ring for the rematch, a fight if I were advising White, I would have told him not to take. I thought White would be a little bit gun-shy. I thought White would have bad memories in that rematch. I was wrong. Dillian White put the rematch behind him, came out, handled business, dominated the rematch against a man who had knocked him out early against a knockout-of-the-year candidate type of fight, right? So Dillian White has a shooter's mentality in basketball, right? You miss the shot. If you're Kevin Durant and you miss a shot, you miss the next shot, it's not going to phase you because you've been playing basketball all your life. You know who you are. You know your shooting range, Right? You understand that missing two, maybe three, maybe four shots 
is not going to convince you that you can't hit the next three or four. Right? It's that Chris Mullen, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard mindset. That's Dillian White. The casino, incredibly, is giving you a plus 420 on Dillian White right now. In a rematch fight where Dillian White knows his opponent and where the opponent right now is in transition. Let's ask the question. When was the last time you saw Anthony Joshua at his best? It wasn't his last fight against Jermaine Franklin. That looked like a fight with a new trainer. It wasn't the two fights against Usyk. Right? The end of the first fight, it looked to me like the only thing keeping up Anthony Joshua was Usyk, who understood, I have the fight won. I'm battering this guy around the ring in this 12th round. Why do I need to get careless and take the extra step? I'm already getting the W. Right? Really, it's been a while since Joshua had a great fight. I would say the last time Joshua looked like Joshua was against Kubrat Pulev. And even that fight's a little bit curious. Kubrat Pulev probably doesn't know what city he's in after he gets drilled early. But yet Joshua allows him back into the fight. Let's face it, Joshua doesn't look like Joshua in either Andy Ruiz fight. Right? He gets knocked down multiple times in the first fight. In the second fight, he's on his bike. I'm sure members of Joshua's family were looking at that second fight and were saying, wow, is that our AJ? I didn't know AJ can move like that. Right? They saw AJ on his bike, and I'm sure they were members of um, his family who thought, wow, AJ knows how to ride a bike. Right, The prime Joshua we think about is the guy who is blood and guts in the pocket against Vladimir Klitschko. Right, It's the guy who gets Povetkin in trouble in the middle rounds and makes sure that Povetkin doesn't make it out of the middle rounds. Quite frankly, it's the guy who stops Dillian White early. That guy has been missing. Now you're going to tell me after looking at that Jermaine Franklin fight, and keep in mind, Franklin is in the pocket. He's not running. He's not moving. There's no Usyk excuse here. There's no, oh, the guy was mobile. Oh, the guy wouldn't trade with me. No, Jermaine Franklin is in the pocket. And let's be clear where the pocket was. The pocket was in Joshua's backyard. Jermaine Franklin travels to Joshua's country to fight Anthony Joshua. In a fight, Joshua needed to win. Franklin is in the pocket. He's there, ready to trade. And that fight goes to distance. Now, in fairness, Jermaine Franklin fought both guys. Jermaine Franklin goes the distance with both guys. 
right? But the AJ fight had a different script going in than the Dillian White fight. We weren't asking. After Dillian White destroys Povetkin in the rematch, people weren't saying, when's Dillian White going to be Dillian White again? That question was being asked of Anthony Joshua. So let me just say, in a fight where there's so many questions about Anthony Joshua, how could Joshua be going off at a better than minus 550 favorite? In the comment section of this video, please, somebody explain it to me. It's not like Joshua stopped Jermaine Franklin, for crying out loud. Let's remember, too, both of these men beat Joseph Parker. Both of these men beat Alexander Povetkin. Right? I think both of these guys are competitive. I'm astonished at this line. So when you tell me that you're offering me a plus 420 to take Dillian White, a guy who I think would give Deontay Wilder a hard fight, right? A guy who beat Derek Chisora looked good doing it, is in the pocket against Derek Chisora. Right, when you tell me I'm getting a plus 420, my response is going to be, thank you very much. Now let's talk about the hedge. I don't see this fight going the distance. Right, this is one of those domestic civil wars. These guys have been circling each other for years. Right, Dillian White knocked down Anthony Joshua when they were amateurs. Dillian White has never bought into the hype of Anthony Joshua being the Olympic gold medalist, somehow being viewed as bulletproof. Let's remember, Dillian White was coming off a suspension when the two guys fought the first time. I would say that that wasn't prime Dillian White. And understand in that fight against Joshua, who's a little bit bigger than Dillian White, right? Joshua, who compared to White, looks like a weightlifter. Dillian White's not running. Dillian White believes he can deconstruct Anthony Joshua from the pocket. Right? So for me, the hedge is that this fight doesn't go the distance. You have two UK guys who are long-time competitors. You have Dillian White convinced he can beat Joshua from the pocket. And you have Joshua going through a stretch of his career where he looks a bit uncertain in the ring. Right, where Joshua doesn't look sure of himself. Right, that Kubrat Pulev fight, I want people to look at that fight. Now, I thought Pulev would do better. I picked Pulev in that fight. But what I want people to do is 
I want people to see how badly hurt Joshua has Pulev. Joshua hurts him early. Pulev is so hurt, at one point Pulev turns his back to Joshua. Something you don't see Pulev, a vet, do against an opponent. Right, that was a desperation move. He's that desperate. Now you and I know. We just know that if Pulev was in the ring with, name the person, Tyson, Liston, Foreman, right? I'll even say Tyson Fury, even though knockouts are not his thing. You and I know that if Pulev was that badly hurt, that badly hurt, that early in a fight, that fight would have been over. Right? You, you would have stuck around for the next round because you thought, well, if I don't see this round, I'm not going to see the end of the fight. Joshua looked unsure of himself. Even in that moment, badly hurts Pulev. Pulev gets back into the fight, folks. Knockouts cause amnesia. I encourage people to look at the Kubrat Pulev Joshua fight. Understand, I'm saying that's the last time we've seen Prime Joshua. So I think there's pressure on Joshua here. A win is not enough. Dillian White fought Tyson Fury. Dillian White got stopped by Tyson Fury. Stopped. Right? I know Joshua stopped White earlier. The question is, does that Anthony Joshua still exist? I believe Joshua is going to feel the weight of the crowd. I believe he's the one carrying more on his back than Dillian White is here. Right? Dillian White believes he can win. We'll talk about the corners. Dillian White has someone in his corner who is a master strategist, right? White is not dissuaded by the outcome of their first match, right? First professional match. Understand, the guys fought in the amateurs. White knows AJ. There's respect between the two guys. I know in public they're looking tough and stuff. Look, I know there's respect between the two guys, but White believes he can beat AJ, who has been missing for some time. So I believe AJ is going into this fight for branding purposes, knowing that he needs a stoppage. In other words, if AJ is winning this fight in the eighth round and says, okay, I can coast. I believe his corner is going to tell him, and he's going to tell himself, I can't coast. I need to take chances. I need to end this. So the way I'm hedging, the Dillian White, plus 420, look, I'm just going where the odds are. Right? Plus 420 on Dillian White? You're kidding me. Right? To hedge that plus 420, 
I'm taking the minus 189 that this fight doesn't go the distance. Now, let's talk about why I'm not touching the nine and a half rounds. That's the over-under, folks. It's halfway through the 10th. I'm not touching that because Dillian White faded after that point against Joseph Parker in a fight he won. Right? Dillian White hits the canvas toward the closing moments of that fight. Right? I believe that one of these guys could be winning at the midway point of the 10th round, and that won't be enough for them. Dillian White was criticized for not being able to stop Jermaine Franklin, who, by the way, has never been stopped professionally. Right? Let's give an opponent more credit here, especially one who crosses the Atlantic for fights. Right? Dillian White himself is being criticized for not being able to stop Jermaine Franklin. Right? Many people, let me raise my hand, thought that fight was razor close. Well, understand, Joshua, of course hasn't gotten a stoppage for his last three fights. So I believe this is that rear fight where the 12th round could start. A guy could have this fight in his back pocket and he's still going to come out and seek a stoppage. I also believe because both guys hit hard, and let's not kid ourselves, Joshua's probably the harder puncher in terms of both hands, right? But there's no better punch in this fight than a Dillian White left hook, which matches Joshua's left hook, right? Both of these guys are left hookers, right? I get the feeling that there's going to be more courage in this fight than stamina. I could easily see a referee after a great fight, jumping between the fighters when one guy gets hit with some haymaker, some left hook, maybe a straight right hand, and is dazed and confused, I could easily see a British ref, especially a British ref, jumping in and stopping the fight. Let's understand, too, the UK is the country of the Carl Frotch, George Grove stoppage. Right? They really value health there. This isn't some of these countries where, you know, the ref has seen action. And fighters are going at it and the ref's just watching them. No, no, this is the UK. This is the UK. If you have a blemish on your face and you, you know, aren't extremely fast, in explaining to the ref, you know, your family lineage and where you are and what time the fight started and how long your ring walk was, the ref might feel you can't continue. Right? So, rather than go the nine and a half, in part because Dillian White faded after that in a big fight, because Joshua faded after that in the first Usyk fight, I want all 12 rounds. 
The bet I like is Dillian White plus 420. Right when they're up over plus 400, I got to tell you, you know, <laughs> I'm usually going to be on that side of the play. Dillian White plus 420. I'll take that. I'll hedge it with the fight doesn't go the distance. In other words, Joshua gets a stoppage, I'm good. But I need for you to understand the risk involved. While I'm good if Dillian White doesn't get a stoppage but wins the fight, right? You collect the plus 420. Just understand if Anthony Joshua gets a decision, which is what happened against Jermaine Franklin, you lose it all. Right? Now, let me just say, and this needs to be said, this is not just the battle of two prized heavyweights. This is also a battle of great corners. Two of my favorite trainers happen to be in the corners of these fighters. I want people to look at the Errol Spence Ugas fight. Revisit that fight. That's a masterpiece. That's a masterpiece, right? Errol Spence is literally draped on Ugas. He smothers a counterpuncher. Ugas, who's a master of timing, he had just beaten Manny Pacquiao, right? Master of timing. Didn't even get the opportunity to use his timing because Errol Spence had his body literally up on Ugas to the point where Ugas could not extend his arms. I thought that was brilliant corner work. Understand, Spence is a guy with an eye injury. Let's be real. Right, I believe the truth showed itself in the middle of that fight when Spence gets hit on the eye, stops fighting. Think about that. Aggressive Errol Spence is in the pocket and stops fighting, gets hit again, turns, loses his balance, and needs to run over to the ropes. I personally don't even think that Derek James had a healthy fighter in that fight. I think Spence's eye problem is major. Right? Major. But yet, there was Spence in the pocket. He knew exactly how to beat Ugas. I thought that was masterful. Let me also point out, too, that Derek James has quite the dance card, doesn't he? We're all excited about Jamel Charlo against Canelo. Understand, it's Derek James who's in Jamel Charlo's corner. It's Derek James who helped Jamel Charlo look magnificent in the rematch against Brian Castano, right? Understand, the first fight was close. A lot of people thought Charlo lost that fight, right? Charlo makes a comeback in that fight. That's important because often comebacks have a lot to do with the corner, right? Your guy goes out there. After the first half of the fight, he's struggling. He's not doing well. You're in the corner. You tell him, look, player, pivot, left hook. Right? Get in his chest. Put your shoulder in his chest. Fighter makes the adjustments, makes the comeback. I thought that was great work. Let me say this, too. 
There's an argument in boxing. Really, it's a five-alarm fire right now about the lightweight division. Right? Some people believe that the best is who has the belts. Derek, uh, Devin Haney. Other people argue that Haney lost his last fight to Loma. There should be an immediate rematch. Right? You have many saying, gee, isn't the real king of the division? Gervonta Davis. Isn't he the one with the box office? Also, Davis is so good that we're overlooking the fact that he at one point picked up a belt at 140. Then you have the crowd looking at Phil, who asked the question, and it's a legit question. Who in the entire division is faster than Shakur Stevenson? Right, isn't Stevenson simply too young, too fresh, too fast for fellow left-hander Loma? Right, now understand, in that space, you have another Southpaw named Frank Martin who is defensively blessed. When you see him fight, you notice he can just lean his upper body in a way that's unusual for boxing. I would argue he's probably defensively the best of the entire group at lightweight. He's unbeaten. Keep an eye on him. His trainer is Derek James. Right? Now let's talk about Dillian White's corner, which needs mention. Right? There's a fight out there that I have no doubt. Derek James and his fighter, Jamel Charlo, have studied. Because this is one of those blueprint fights. Buddy McGirt had a guy who agreed to a lot of contractual restrictions. Right? That guy was Sergei Kovalev. They were about to fight Canelo, right? So Kovalev, who made some contractual stipulations, right? And we understand Canelo, at times, as we've learned from his dealings with Badu Jack, makes demands of heavier fighters during negotiations, right? Well, just understand, Canelo at the time, on top of the world, had beaten Danny Jacobs, we looked at Kovalev as a slugger. We knew we had a good jab. We always knew that. But you understood Kovalev was really a slugger. Right? Depending on where you sat, you thought that Kovalev was going to come out, Kovalev at the time, bigger man, Kovalev was going to come out and he was going to try to impose himself. Impose himself on Canelo. And instead, and this is what a trainer means to a fighter, instead, Kovalev, of all people, comes out with lateral movement. It's Kovalev who, in my opinion, showed how disruptive lateral movement can be to Canelo. Right? I thought Kovalev is doing extremely well in that fight.
Kovalev is outboxing Canelo and understand Kovalev isn't a smooth guy when it comes to lateral movement. This was the trainer convincing the slugger to get up on his toes and move. Right? They easily could have called this Rocky 3A, right? If you know the plot of Rocky 3. Right? Buddy McGirt comes in and literally reconstructs Kovalev. It's only because Kovalev gets tired later in the fight that he gets caught. That was a competitive fight. Let's talk about some more Buddy McGirt work. You have the same fighter Kovalev, and he's fighting a guy who looked like a world beater at the time, Anthony Yard. You thought, oh, clearly this fight comes down to who lands first. You thought this was going to be a no mercy blood and guts fight. Right? There was simply no way that one of these guys was going to come out and was going to rely on boxing to win the fight. But yet that's exactly what happened. That's another masterpiece fight. It's Kovalev hitting Yard with a jab, not overcommitting. Realizing that Yard was a bit stiff from the waist up and couldn't get out of the way of the jab. Right? Kovalev is not desperate for the knockout. Kovalev lets the knockout come to him. Understand, that's also Buddy McGirt's work. Right? Buddy McGirt is now in Dillian White's corner. That's an inspired pairing. Because Dillian White is excellent in the pocket. Now, I think Dillian White has lost his legs. Right? I remember when Dillian White moved a bit more than he does now. Right? I, I don't think Dillian White can move that well. But I'll say this. It's a mistake for any fighter. Whether that's Tyson Fury whether it's Anthony Joshua, it's a mistake for any fighter to stay in the pocket against Dillian White. You don't want to be there. This is one of the best body punchers in the heavyweight division. Right? This is a guy with an excellent jab, and you know Buddy McGirt loves fighters with excellent jabs. Right? This is a fighter with an excellent jab who in the pocket, can use the jab, can follow up with other shots, can make it difficult for you, right? Where this fight really tops itself is the fact that Joshua is the better athlete. Is Joshua going to stay in the pocket against Dillian White, which I think is a mistake? Or is he going to be more like Jermel Charlo? Move around. Jump into the pocket, throwing bombs. Isn't that what costs Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin? Let me say this too. Both guys are talking about their training camps, right? Both guys are. Michael Hunter is a guy who I have named here as a major threat to the heavyweight title. Right? Understand, Hunter uh, has already fought Usyk 
excellent fight. Excellent fight, right? In a different weight class. Hunter got a draw against Povetkin, right? Beat Ustinov, stopped Ustinov. Beat Martin Bacoli. Right now, the heavyweight division tends to overlook fighters who are not on the front page, who aren't on the cover of Ring Magazine. Right, but Hunter is a very difficult opponent because he knows the angles. Also, Hunter is deceptive because Hunter, who is hard to find when he wants to be back foot, can actually hunt you down with his front foot as he does in the early rounds against Povetkin. Look at that fight. Now, the reason I'm mentioning Michael Hunter so much is Michael Hunter was the primary sparring partner for Anthony Joshua. I'm sure he's still working with Anthony Joshua. And Hunter, who rarely makes public statements about a fighter's dominance, is saying that Joshua is ready for this fight. In other words, Joshua's been training against a guy who, quite frankly, is a tough matchup, right? I would argue that Hunter, for the first seven, eight rounds against Usyk, did better against Usyk than did Anthony Joshua, right? So just understand, the AJ camp has taken this seriously. They've brought in a tough fighter, to try to help AJ, right? AJ has a trainer who will play to whatever the fighter's strengths are. In other words, Errol Spence likes to be inside, likes to stay inside, likes to smother you, right? By contrast, I consider Jamel Charlo to be an ambush fighter. Lateral movement, outside, he's moving. Oh, here's a surprise, he's inside, he's throwing hard body shots, then he's back outside. Right, I'm sure Derek James has said to Anthony Joshua, how do you want to do this? Now, Buddy McGirt is a little bit different. Right, Buddy McGirt has ideas. Buddy McGirt was with Paulie Malinacci. The two guys did not get along, right? You got two guys with strong personalities, with specific ideas on what to do in the ring. And let's just say Malinaji and Buddy McGirt have the kind of relationship where they don't talk about each other, right? I'm positive Buddy McGirt saw Dillian White's jab and said, player, how are we going to showcase this? Right? I'm sure Buddy McGirt has looked at AJ and sees some things that he feels he can exploit. Just like he saw some things in Canelo that had his guy very much in that fight going into the later rounds. Right? So this is going to be a tactical fight, but I do believe the situation calls for a knockout. How does Dillian White avenge being brutally knocked down? It was a brutal knockout by AJ in the first fight, by returning the favor. How does AJ keep his reputation intact? 
remind us of who he was, right? We just saw Big Baby go the distance with Charles Martin, right? It's Martin who lands the last big punch of that fight. Big Baby wins it. You might recall two Joshua straight right hands ending Charles Martin's reign very early, very early when they fought. At the time, we thought, wow, Joshua, different level of puncher, right? Joshua wants to remind us of that guy, right? He understands his fans are restless. You already have Carl Frog saying, gee, I don't like Joshua's chances if he fights Deontay Wilder after this fight. Right? You got boxing royalty in the United Kingdom giving interviews questioning Joshua. Right? Joshua needs to make the statement here to get the whole country back behind him. What better way to do it than against fellow UK guy Dillian White? Right, so I'm expecting a stoppage. That's my hedge. Anytime you give me a plus 420 on Dillian White, I'm going to take that. If Dillian White fought Tyson Fury in a rematch and you're offering me a plus 420, I'm going to take that because what they're telling you is that Joshua would win 4.2 times for every one time Dillian White wins. That's not the fight I'm expecting. I'm expecting something close and something competitive. I like Dillian White plus 420. I'll hedge to play with the under 12 rounds. I'm staying away from the nine and a half rounds. Keep in mind too, even that Klitschko-Joshua fight turned in the later rounds, right? I want all 12, not just nine and a half. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for stopping by.